and welcome to another reading, this time of A Magical Mystical Place, The Gray Moss Inn, taken from Best Tales of Texas Ghosts by Dosia Schultz-Williams. As many times as I've passed through Helotes en route to the cowboy capital of the world, Bandera, for some reason, I've always just zoomed right past the cutoff marked Scenic Loop Road. My goodness, what I've been missing! Recently, my husband Roy and I had a, had an occasion to drive out to visit in the small community of Grey Forest where we understood we'd find a ghost story or two. We were not disappointed. The two-lane scenic loop road traverses a valley through which fellow Helotes Creek and various other small spring-fed streams. The whole area is lush and green with plants and trees in contrast to the hill country's arid rocky slopes just to the north. Wildflowers, mostly little yellow ones, were blooming in profusion on the day of our visit, and most of the yards in the small community of Grey Forest were overgrown with tall grass, the result of a recent downpour. There was a magical, mystical aura about the whole place. I would not have been at all surprised if a band of little leprechauns had materialized to escort us as we turned into the driveway leading to our destination, the historic Grey Moss Inn. Because I had heard from various sources, including an interesting article by the Express News writer Paula Allen, a few ghost stories connected to the inn, I called the present owner, Nell Byaton, and made an appointment to drive out and see her. While my husband and I waited for Nell to appear, her bookkeeper secretary, Linda Young, proved an able guide as she showed us around the lovely dining rooms and spacious patio with tables shaded by colorful umbrellas. The four dining rooms were all appointed with various antiques, lots of green plants, hand-painted china plates, and lovely portraits and still-life paintings. The place has the look of what it is, an old-fashioned country inn. I could well see why it is a favored spot for anniversary celebrations and romantic rendezvous. There are huge candles formed from many small tapers of various colors, which have dripped and built up the colored waxes over the years. These illuminate the tables at night. The mantel in the main dining room boasts a pair of candles over three feet tall. They have doubtless been around a good many years. It was not long before Nell Byton, the attractive proprietor, appeared, and a fascinating visit ensued. First, she filled us in on the background of the inn, which she and her husband, orthodontist Dr. Lou Byton, have owned since 1987. A woman named Mary Howell, a part Cherokee Indian, who was brought up in Oklahoma, arrived in the valley with her husband Arthur back in 1929. They had come here from Waco, where previously they had made their home. Arthur was a fireman with the Katy Railroad. When they drove through Gray Forest, Mary fell in love with the area. She noticed a big rock building, which had once served as the headquarters for the old Requa Realty Company, was up for sale. It looked just like the place where she could make her long time. It looked like just the place where she could make her long time dream of owning her own tea room come true. She had already had experience with the restaurant business since she had managed a, managed a tea room in Waco for the Business and Professional Women's Club. After Mary and Arthur purchased the building, a big kitchen was added and the open front porch was eventually closed in. Mary named the place the Gray Moss Inn because it is circled with giant live oak trees from which long fronds of silvery Spanish moss slowly wave back and forth in the breeze. The Gray Forest Playground, which was close to the inn, was a popular weekend attraction for wealthy San Antonio families. 
Many of them built cottages and cabins of limestone and wood close by the playground area, which featured a beautiful natural limestone swimming pool fed by springs. The pool is still there. The walls of the little changing houses are there as well, on the high banks overlooking the pool. The old metal stand for the diving board is still firmly anchored in the limestone escarpment. What a beautiful place it must have been in its heyday. Nell took us to see it and said the pool, which was empty, still fills up after a rain. Lush green ferns and watercress grow along the banks of the creek and the dam which was built to hold the water in the swimming area. In the 1930s and 40s, artists and various celebrities flocked to the playground to enjoy the scenic landscape and the pleasant climate. Mary Howell often cooked for such well-known neighbors as John Floor, artist Robert Wood, and movie star Sonny Tufts. She, told, she sold homemade candy, too, made in the kitchen at the inn. It didn't take long for Mary's tea room to catch on. Nell told us that many families who were regular customers came every Sunday and always insisted on sitting at the same table. Mary was a fabulous cook, and the recipes used today are still from her files of tried-and-true favorites. The recipes and techniques have not changed in over 60 years. Four meats are served, steak, chicken, lamb, and seafood. Only choice heavy-aged beef is used, lightly basted with what Nell calls witch's brew, an original inn recipe. The water used at the inn is drawn from fresh spring wells, and all the, desert and all the desserts they serve are made from scratch. Across the driveway leading to the inn, there is a little cottage which was where Mary and Arthur Howell lived. It is built of old limestone, and its quaintness calls to mind the dwarf's house in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Consisting of just one big room that was a combination bed-sitting and dining room, with a kitchen and a little bathroom, which was obviously a later add-on, it today makes a charming small party house. At one time, Nell told us, it was a part of Requa Realty's properties. The building converted to the inn was the company headquarters, and the small building housed the realtors who lived there and ran the business. The Howells' twin boys, Arthur Jr. and Tynus, lived in another small stone cottage situated just behind their parents' small house. When Mary opened her tea room, she decorated it with some favorite plates and antique bric-a-brac. Arthur was busy with his railroad job and left the operation of the restaurant to Mary. From what the current owner told us, the place hasn't really changed all that much in, in its over 65 years of operation, except for a few additions which have been added to the capacity of the restaurant. The Biotins purchased the inn from Mary and Jerry Martin, who owned it for several years. The Martins had purchased it from Mary Howell's son, Arthur Jr., who managed the property for a number of years after the death of his mother. Nell Biotin was a most gracious hostess to my husband and me during our visit. She not only took us on quite a tour of the inn and to the little house that had belonged to Mary and Arthur, but we visited her small office, which is housed in the tiny building where the Howell boys lived. Nell is not only a restaurateur, she is also a licensed family counselor and a reflexologist as well, and she uses the office for her work in those professions. Just visiting the inn wasn't enough. Nell insisted on taking us on a long drive over the green hills and valleys of Gray Forest. We saw many of the old original playground houses, many doubtless purchased from Reckwell Realty. We learned much of the colorful local history from Nell, who was a former city councilwoman of the small community of some 400 inhabitants. She knows every rock and rill in the area. While we came away thinking the inn is certainly a special place, I would have to say that Nell Byton is the real treasure of Gray Forest.
We finally, of course, got around to talking about the spirits who are said to inhabit the area. Nell told us numerous incidents that have occurred during their ownership to convince the Biotons that the inn is frequented by several spirits. Mary Howell's spirit seems to be the most dominant. It is evident she likes to know what is going on at the restaurant. Why not? The inn was the culmination of her dream to own her own place. She was a very she was very happy there, made many friends, and was undoubtedly proud of her accomplishments. Why wouldn't she want to return to see that things were kept up to her standards? Nell says if Mary is at all displeased, she usually manages to make it known. Sometimes Nell gets a strong whiff of the rose cologne she has been told was Mary's favorite fragrance. It is most often evident in the main dining room, where Mary's presence is often sensed near her table, which is located close to the kitchen door. Linda, Nell's bookkeeper, told us she had an experience where she heard a big coffee maker fly apart in the kitchen when no one was around. She has often witnessed the alarm system going off for no reason at all, too. Nell said when Mary is not pleased with the operations at the inn, she causes the tray jacks to fall over, ice buckets full of water and ice to fall, and dishes to break. Once, when a couple was there to celebrate a wedding anniversary, they were given what Nell says was a warning from Mary. The wine bucket next to the table fell over, although there was no plausible reason how it could have done this. In six months, the happy celebrants had parted, headed for the divorce court. One employee of Nell's has reported the adding machine sometimes starts to add figures all by itself. The same woman also reported that once, when she had her arms full of things, the gates suddenly opened up right in front of her. She thanked Mary for helping her. Linda seems to have a lot of trouble with the computer. When the new system was installed a few years ago, it looked as if Mary was reluctant to accept the new technology. The technician, who was a computer science instructor, was baffled when the programs failed, hardware stalled, and disks died. The day we were there, Linda had a lot of trouble getting the computer to work for her, and she's apparently a skilled computer operator. Mary just doesn't seem to like any kind of change. Nell has placed Pennsylvania Dutch hex signs in all the dining rooms and in Mary's little house that is now the party house. Mary Howell's upside-down horseshoe, holding the good luck in, you know, still hangs over the front entrance, which is now the entrance to the main dining room as one comes off the former porch. Nell said whenever she plans to leave on a trip, she always goes into the main dining room, which seems to be Mary's favorite bailwick, Bailiwick, and she talks to her like she was still a live human being. She tells her that she is going away for a few days, but capable people will be running the inn in her absence, and everything is going to be just fine. She started doing this after a number of manifestations occurred during her absences. This past New Year, however, Nell forgot to tell Mary she was leaving. Right after Nell left, the alarm system went completely haywire, going off every 15 or 20 minutes for no reason at all. This went on all night long. Dr. Byton, who did not go out of town with his wife, had the alarm people out the next day to check out the system. They cleaned and checked the system and said that absolutely nothing was wrong and there was no earthly, what about unearthly, reason the alarm should have acted up like that. One room at the end, the garden room, seems to have another spirit attached to it. Unlike the benevolent spirit of the former owner, this spirit seems to be rather hostile. One strange event took place there about five years ago. That night, Nell had personally checked to see all the candles had been extinguished before she locked up the inn. A last glance revealed not a glimmer of light from any of the candles. 
Satisfied, Nell went home. The next morning, they were startled to find that there had been a fire in the garden room. It was just at one table, underneath a giant hex sign on the wall that stands for justice. The placemats, which had been placed over the tablecloth, had totally burned up. But the stitching, a series of round concentric circles, was still there on top of the charred tablecloth, which had been reduced to just a black tissue-thin bit of ash, except for the area just beneath the hex sign, where the cloth... was intact and had not burned at all. There was also a basket of sugar packets there on the table. Neither the little basket nor its contents had burned at all. The napkins on the table for two had burned up completely except for the portions under the forks. The candle on the table had completely burned down and the wax had formed a big puddle on the floor beneath the table. The plate that had been beneath the candle had cracked in two. The fire alarm had never gone off and there was absolutely no smoke smell in the building. Furthermore, the tabletop, which was formica, was unharmed, but the woven straw back of one of the chairs pulled up to the table had completely burned away. A visiting psychic recently told the management that there was an unfriendly or malevolent spirit that hangs out in the garden room. They believe it must be a male entity, but no one has a clue as to whom he might be. Once, after work, a few of the cooks were just hanging out and visiting while drinking a cold beer after work. They were out by the little stone building Nell uses as an office. Nell had left a light on in the building. The men suddenly saw a large shadow go by the window. At first, they thought Dr. Biotin might be inside. Then, whatever it was, they just call it the spirit, materialized into a big black form that literally walked through the wall and went out to the birdbath. It didn't take long for those cooks to all take leave. Nell claims an Indian woman spirit has been seen walking from the herb garden to the area where a big fallen tree now lies in the meadow. She said there is a vortex of waters under the tree, and the woman, according to Nell, may be, he may be headed towards that water source. There are underground springs all over the area, according to Biotin. Sometimes water literally oozes up in the patio area of the restaurant. It wouldn't be at all strange to surmise there are Indian spirits around. There were Indian trails all over the area, and the heavily forested area was a favored hunting ground for Indian tribes for hundreds of years. The first white family to arrive was a man named Juan, Juan Menchaca, who obtained a land grant and brought his Aztec Indian wife to settle down there. Later on, the little road that ran through the valley became a stage route, and often the stagecoaches were raided by either Indians or bandits. There were a lot of caves in the area which provided both cover for the stage robbers and a handy hiding place for their loot. Pioneer Texas Ranger Captain Jack Hayes pursued many a bandit through the area, and for a time the famous lawman was the main source of law and order in the little valley. Nell also cited an experience some of the help had, fair had fairly recently. They were in the employees' parking lot across from the inn, chatting and having a cold drink after work. Suddenly, they heard the tremendous clashing of cymbals coming from the inn. They hurried over to see what was wrong. The sounds had set off the alarm system, and soon the police arrived. Nothing could be found out of order, however. Later on that same night, the Biotins, who live in a house adjacent to the inn, had just retired for the night when the same cymbal clash routed them from their bed. Again, nothing was out of place and there was no explanation for the racket. This same thing happened one more time that night. Nell still doesn't know what set off the sound of cymbals. 
Nell firmly believes there are several old souls, as she prefers to call them, living both in the inn and in her home. She takes them for granted. Mary Howells is the presence that Nell most often senses. Because she is such a loving spirit, Nell feels comfortable having her there. Strong as her presence is, Nell says as far as she knows, no one has ever actually seen her apparition. If you would like to experience an, an evening spent dining on delicious food served in an atmosphere of country charm and romantic seclusion, you might look no further than the Gray Moss Inn, which is the oldest continually operating restaurant in South Texas. It's long been popular with generations of South Texas diners, so we suggest you call 210-695-8301 for reservations. You're sure to enjoy a memorable, magical evening in this special place. That's the end.